And so, have we ever told you that? No, our eco outdoor crew has been told that eco outdoor food every day in the world could possibly even even something. We don't know what it's like to be hungry, but it says he was hungry. And he thought, if I could just get the crumbs from the rich man's table. To make things even worse, the Bible says that the dog came and licked his sword. At least he had, and the only attention he got was from dogs. You know, you say, well, that doesn't happen in our church. I'll tell you what you do. You go out to uh, Fountain Circle or go to Sunday's Nursing Home. I will tell you right now, there are people in those places that nobody has come to visit in in maybe two or three years. They don't know what it's like to have somebody walk up to them and take your hand and just put it on their shoulder. They've not been touched in so far. And so here's this man, here's this man that, uh, that he, he, the only attention he gets is from the dogs coming up, you know. The Bible tells me that if the Jews had obeyed God's law and kept the Sabbath, there would have been no poverty. Only, only few lived in, in luxury. Psalms 49, verse 16, the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. It says, So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and their homes become even more splendid. He goes on to say, verse 17, For when they die, they take nothing with them but what? Then I follow them to the grave. And so I'm ne- all the time when looking at a hearse, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. I mean, we're in this, one of the things that we really struggle with, I think, in, in the world that we're living in today is just simply this, and the Psalm 73 really talks about this, and it talks about the fact, why is it that the wicked prosper? We're living in a time, just as it appears, that there's two, there's two groups of people. There are those people that are under the law, and there are those people that it appears that are above the law, that they can do anything, and nothing, they're never held responsible for what they do. And they're saying this whole thing that happened with the defense bar as far as when they were trying to impeach the president, all, all was lies and lies and lies. It was all pumped up by uh, false, false narratives and all this other kind of stuff. And they're saying right now that that will never come to pass. But you see, this is nothing new. It's not anything new because in the book of Psalms, here's what it says. It asks the question, and here's the question. Why is it that the wicked prosper? Why is it that there are people out here that seem like they do everything wrong they possibly can do, and yet they're blessed continually? Seem like they've got money, they've got cars, they've got everything, because they don't try to do what they And here's some poor old guy just sitting his head up against the wall beside them, and he has to struggle like this. Why is it that the wicked prospers like the Bible says? And so it says this over in Psalm 73, 16. When I thought of how to understand this, he was too painful. And I'm telling you what, if you watch some of this stuff on television, it will get to you. Have anxiety, you have nervous things like that. There comes a time you got to put all that stuff away. I know it's happening. I know we got to watch it. I know there's times that we got to be informed and we got to go. But I'm telling you, there's times I just got to go alone with the Father and I got to say, Lord, I don't want this stuff anymore. I need you. I need. I need to fill my mind with your thing. Let, let, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. But also, I need to do this. I need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I'm telling you, this is what we need to do in the day and time we do. We need to come to a place that we establish our thought pattern in the Word of God. But so look at it. It says, go back to verse 16 there for a minute. It says, when I thought of how I understand it, it was too painful for me. But look what it says in verse 17. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understand there is. What there is is the day of judgment coming. Nobody gets away with this. 
and they're not. I don't care who they are. And when I read that verse where they talk about the where it calls for the rocks and the hills and the mountains to fall on them, it says, I saw the small and the great man. I saw the educated, the uneducated. I saw those people that thought they were above everything, that they, they were entitled. And so you, you look at this and you realize what's happening, but people don't go to heaven because, let me just say this, people don't go to heaven because they're poor or old or cheap.
preaching when he got up front and he said, compared to his brethren, he was a nothing. He probably had a big funeral. And, you know, he probably found a preacher that was preaching into heaven. They all did that. Listen, live your life in such a way that from the day time that you die, that the preacher doesn't have to stand up there and lie about you. Amen? Live your life in such a way that you you ought to be glad that people really know who you are. And I've seen some great funerals. I've seen some great people. I've I've seen some people that when time of death came in the back when Amos, they kicked. They literally tried to kick the prophet Amos out as they struggled as God went out and they took him out of there. I've seen some saints of God with their family gathering around them, sweet, wonderful people, and, and they're all there and actually talk about how she saw Jesus and others and just slip off to go into heaven. The Bible says that when Lazarus died, the angels came and carried him all the way home. He had the express lane all the way to heaven. That's what I want. I don't want to get that long, that long line to, to back up forever. The Bible definition of death is not cessation of life or existence. Let me say it again. The Bible definition of death is not the cessation of life or existence. Once you're born, you're never going to cease to be. Let me say it again. Once you're born, you're never going to cease to be. And for people that try to take their own life, kill themselves, whatever, guess what? They're going to go right in. Guess who you go to? You're going to go right into the presence of God. I wouldn't want to go into His presence that way. Now, do I believe that people that have anybody commit suicide is lost? No, I don't believe that. They're really saved, and they did it before. Sometimes people's minds go and everything. So, no, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. James 2.26 says this, and what death is. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. So what is the definition of death as far as the Bible is concerned? It's when the spirit leaves. But death is not the end. When Lazarus died, the angels came carried him to Abraham's bosom called paradise. The Bible let us know that this was immediate, though. Bam! You're in paradise. Bam! You're in hell. I mean, you can be sitting here one minute, and next day you're waking up and you're standing in front of God. You know, it's like the rich man who decided he was going to tear down his barns and build greater barns. And, and, he, and he said simply, he said, now, you know, I'll tear down my barns and build greater barns. And the Bible says, thou fool, thy soul will be required of this life. And when you read it in the Greek, you know what it says? It says, they're asking for your soul. They're asking for your soul. You don't know. We don't, we don't know. The Bible warns us that. Their life is like a, a vapor that appears for a while and it's taken away. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we talked about this so many times, but, but listen to what it says there. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. See, that's who you are, your spirit, soul, and body. Until you come to know Jesus, your spirit is either dormant or dead or it's not there. But once you come to Christ and you're born again, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, the spirit comes alive. Now, what God intends for you to do, your your soul is comprised of three things. It's comprised of your intellect, it's comprised of your decision-making, and your emotions. 
your body is comprising your five senses. What God wants you to do when He tells you if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He wants the Spirit of God to control your body, control control your your uh, your, 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 your decision making, everything. He wants your Spirit to be. If you don't do that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to make some of the dumbest decisions that you ever thought you could. Anybody here can testify and make some dumb decisions? You know why? Because you ain't walking in the Spirit the way God wants you to. Because, and even the Word tells us that if you stay in the Word, the Word of God will separate and let you know when it's the, you doing it and when it's the body doing it. Or when the, when the Lord is telling you what to do. So your spirit, soul, and body. So when we die, our body goes into the grave. Our soul and our spirit go straight to be with Jesus. body goes in the grave. Our spirit and our soul go straight to be with Jesus. Go straight to be with Jesus. Body goes in the grave, soul and spirit go to be with the Lord Jesus. So you're, who you really are is just who you are. Now, some teach soul sleep. Some teach that our whole, our whole being goes in the grave to sleep until the day of the resurrection. I don't believe that. Why don't you believe it? Let me give you some reasons. First off, Luke 16. What we're reading right here. Listen, both Lazarus and the rich man were fully were, 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 were fully aware of what was happening to them. They had all their they had all their intellect, had all their senses. They could see everything. They're dead, but they could see everything. Could see, hear, feel. One's in hell, Hades. The other's in paradise. Since, if you want another example, it's the transfiguration. They said Moses, they said Elijah. They're talking to Jesus. What are they talking to him about? They're talking about his demise. What does that mean? They were talking about when he would go to Calvary. That's what they were talking about. They, they saw that. They, 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 but they recognized Moses. They recognized Elijah. Uh, they were talking to Jesus about his crucifixion. You know, and, but doesn't the Bible use the uh, metaphor sleep? Yes, but it refers only to the body. Acts 7, when Stephen was being stoned, he saw Jesus. He looked up into heaven and he saw, saw Jesus standing for him, not sitting, but standing for him. When Rachel died, the Bible says in Genesis 35, verse 18, so it was as her soul was departing. The thief on the cross, Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 6 through 8. Listen to what he says. He, uh, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5. So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We're at home, we're, we're, we're at home in our body. We're absent from the Lord. So look at this. So we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, yet still true. Rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The moment you're not, you are Jesus. Be absent in this body and to be present with the Lord. Now listen. Listen to the confidence that Paul had in Philippians 1, 21 and 23. He says, for me to live is Christ, then so be it. To die is gain. He said, when I go, I, I, when I die, I'm going to gain, brother. Amen? It's not something to dread. When I die, I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm, I gain. And listen to what he says in 123. He says, for I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, and be with Christ. He said, when I depart, I'm going to be with Christ. Uh, uh, which is, and then he says this, which is far better. He said that dying and going to heaven is greater than being alive 
also look at this. You look in, in uh, you know, uh, when Jesus talking to Mary and Martha. And, and we're just like Mary and Martha because what he said was, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And what did she say? Mar- Mary and Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection last day. See, we've got an intellectual knowledge of it, but we don't understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the resurrection. Amen? In fact, the Bible says, this is eternal life. What's eternal life? It's Christ. Everything's connected to Jesus. Everything is connected to Jesus. So when I come to Jesus, I'm connected with Him. And so she said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, listen to what Jesus said, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Hello? Shall never die. You say, now wait a minute, how can you say that I see people die? No, see the death, or what the Bible talks about, is being totally away from God. That's what it means. We're not going to die. We're never going to be away from the Lord. We're going to be with Him. Then he says this, but you believe this. You know? You believe this. So the question, and then I can go farther to Luke 23. Jesus says, Father, into your hand, when He's on the cross, I commit my spirit. So the question is, when Lazarus the beggar died, why did He go to Abraham's bosom of paradise? So it says, why don't you say you're in heaven? Heaven will make you lose. It's like hell is not over for you. Hades is still in existence. What do you mean Hades is still in existence? It's a holding place. Paradise is a holding place. Why was it a holding place? Why did people have to go to paradise rather than going to Because Jesus hadn't died yet. Well, stay with me. Jesus had not died yet. What do you mean Jesus hadn't died yet? Hebrews 9.23. According to law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So up until the cross, everybody went to paradise. Nobody went to heaven. They all went to paradise. When he had to die on the cross. When we discuss the new covenant, people talk about the new covenant. They go over here in the Old Testament. They'll divide their Bible into Old and New Testament. That's what you say. That's not what it's called, the new covenant. But you and I are under it. This is what the new covenant is called. Hebrews 9, 16, 17. For where there is a testament, there must also be the necessity by the death of the testator. For a testament is in force as to men or death, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. In other words, you got, he, Jesus had to die first. Now once he died, in comes the new covenant. Okay? Are you getting this? Somebody comes up to me and So paradise, or Abraham's bosom, was a holding place until Jesus went to Calvary and paid for the sins of the world. Once he went there, in those three days, he was in the grave. But let me tell you something. My Lord was busy in that time in the grave. Why? Because we, look what it says in Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verses 9. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who has ascended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, and he might fill all things. What was he doing that time? He was leading those people in paradise out, leading them into heaven. And as a result of that, now, when you and I die, what happens? He absent his body, he returns to heaven. He doesn't go to be with you. That's what it means. That's what it means. Paradise today is, is heaven where Jesus reigns. 
the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, he talked about his vision. He said, if that was not possible for me to boast, I will come to thee for the revelation of the Lord. He goes on, verse 2, he says, I know a man Christ, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the house he's talking about this, okay? Uh, I do not know. God knows such a one that's caught up in heaven. So hey, he had a vision. He didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Verse 4, and he says this, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He also said, I was caught up into the third heaven. What's the third heaven? What's the third, what does it mean, third heaven? You've got atmosphere, the atmosphere here. you got out, outer space. And what do you got? you got heaven. You see, heaven is a place. I'm not going to be floating around on a cloud, cloud somewhere, saying thoughts. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to be on. I'm not going. To, I'm not looking for nirvana. Don't you have such a hatred, spiritual hatred for that? It's annoying to be sitting there all that time praising stuff like you know, like one the guy was the other day. Women sitting there trying. I don't want to. Get, I don't want to see my mom and dad. to me. So when a believer trusts in Christ and dies, as Paul says he's dead, he falls heavy as a heart to be with the Lord because of 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 8, to, to be absent from his body and to be present with the Lord. So the Lord, when the first person, when he died, he's the first person to receive. He's from Jesus. First person to receive Jesus. The second people that receive, according to Hebrews 11, 1, is this great cloud of witnesses. Who's that? That's all your loved ones, your people that have gone on before you that are waiting on you on the other side. Now, when we die, if we die before the rapture, then we do have some sort of body. Like Moses, I believe those people have gone on to heaven. Their body's in the grave. Their spirit soul's gone to heaven. They have some sort of body, like Moses writing. But remember, your spirit, your soul goes to be with the Lord. But your body is still in the grave. It's sleep, waiting for the day of resurrection. Or as old time preachers used to say, that great sleep, that morning. Now, Listen to what it says, and, and I know you know these words, but let's read them here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and 18. See that? But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep. Who died. Least you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, rose again, even so God will give him those who sleep in Jesus. When he so, so our spirit and soul go go to the Lord, go with the Lord in heaven, or we, we're there in heaven with him. But when he comes back at the rapture, he's bringing us back with him. Why did he bring us back with him? For resurrection. So that we can get that new body. We don't have that new body yet. I mean, it's going to be that body like Jesus had that he could go through walls and do all that crazy stuff he did. We're going to be able to do all that. Yeah, he tried to do all that crazy stuff. Anyway, but anyway, so he, you know, he, he brings us back. We come back with him at the rapture. We're going to meet our loved ones if, anyone, if we're alive. If we're alive today, but now listen to this form. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no way be deceived those who are asleep. While we not for sleep, may God be our day, I follow John 16. Now, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So those people that are already gone to heaven, or whatever, they're going to rise. Their body is going to rise. They're going to be their, their soul, their spirit, and the new body will join, join at that time. Now listen to what it goes on to say. Then we who are alive, we're right here, and Jesus came right now alive, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord now. When we go up, we're going to be wham in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to be changed. That's when we get our new body. Amen? So 
the resurrection has not happened because the rapture has not happened. And, and so, then it says this last little something here, though. I can see the whole sermon on there, so I will in this place. It's not today. Right, so, listen. When, when I get into this, the, the key is that we, we can, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not everybody's going to be sleeping. Some people are going to be alive, but we're going to be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What does it mean, incorruptible? People always ask, well, what will that happen again? What happened in heaven when Satan screwed everything up? And no, because we're going to be corrupted. And then it goes on, but his corruption must put on what? Incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. We're going to be totally changed as as, as a result of that. Now, the key is, is that we possess eternal life. Is the soul immortal? Yes. Once you come into existence, you will never cease to be. When you do get it, when do you, so then when do you get eternal life? First John chapter 5, 11 through 7, this is what it says. And this is the testimony you've got to hear. Eternal life. Here's your testimony. Eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Then it goes on to verse 12. He who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son has not life. First John 5, 13, these things are written to you believe on the name of the Son of God in order that you might know you have what? Everlasting life. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3, 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. He has, has, Everlasting life. First Timothy six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed with the profession and the presence of many witnesses. The moment I quit trusting in my goodness, my efforts, my family name, and repent and turn to Christ and Christ Jesus alone, God gave me eternal life. So I'm going to heaven because I trusted in the finished work of Christ. Well, what about separating the goats and the sheep? That's Matthew 25. What does that mean? That's over in the millennium when the, those people that come out of the tribulation, you got Gentiles that believe and did not take the mark of the beast who are going to come out, but there are those who are not who's going to separate the, those who believe and those who don't believe. That's what that's talking about. It's not talking about us. When the rapture takes place, we're going back with Jesus to heaven with our new body, and then two events are going to take place. What is that going to be? Number one, here's what you're going to be going through. Number one, the beam of judgment seat. Romans 14.10, But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It also says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be on the judgment seat of Christ. So here's the good news. The word demon means an official place to judge. The judgment seat of Christ is translated demon. How does this take place? Well, 1 Corinthians 3.11, it does not mean one of condemnation because Romans 8.1 says there is now no more condemnation for the sinner. It's one of reward. Now, look at what he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.11-15. You're standing there in front of Christ, the judgment seat. Now, look at this. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, notice this, silver builder should be with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stone. So we're all building right now. Here's the foundation. We're all either building. We're either gold, precious stone, silver, or we're building wood, hay, and stone. And what's we're doing? Well, you're building. You're building. And, and when we get to God one of these days, He's going to take all of our life, all of the things we built, and He's going to set it stand. We're not talking about condemnation. We're talking about reward here. 
And each one's work will become clear to the day we're declared because it will be revealed by fire. He's going to set it all on fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, that job will be held against him because he will receive a reward. God's got a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he will receive imperishable crown. Now, he'll be saved, yet there's two fires. Now, so, you know, so it matters how you live day by day because all that will be revealed. But the good news is that Christ's judgment seat is not one of condemnation. Already, well, that doesn't mean there's no condemnation. Our judgment of all of our sins has already taken place. Look at those things that you challenge. He challenges. And therefore, as Romans 5 1 says, therefore, having peace with God, therefore, uh, be justified by faith, we have peace with God. God's not out to get you anymore. You've been saved for it. If we truly are saved, we will not be standing as unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. We're not going to be there. I thought about the resurrection. And I believe that nothing will. I thought about I thought about the resurrection, and it, I, I see that as a portal that we go through the resurrection. And I believe that you know I don't think God's going to be sitting down with us every Sunday. Well, here's here's our figure of old life. Okay, this is what we're thinking. No, I don't think so. You know, what about no, no, that works. No, no. Okay, you did that. You did that that way. Maybe thank you. What about no, no, no. I don't think He's going to have to do that. And the reason I think He's not going to have to do that is for one reason. Is because I believe that when we go through that resurrection, everything changes. And I believe that at that point, what happens, anything that's not of Him is going to be burned up. It's going to be burned up. And, and you know, when I when I, I, I think about this, because of Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offer Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What's dead works? Dead works are anything God didn't do. God didn't save you from that. Why you do it again? That's why people get so pissed out and get so anxious and everything else. They're doing things God never intended for them to do. So, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the fire may be of God, not of us. God wants it to be all of Him. It will be a coronation day when the Lord will reward all those who have been faithful to Him. If God's not unjust, then give your love to labor of love which is shown in His name in which He administered the same things to her who lived their lives without the Lord may be given as they sought to God what is done to them. And to the rich man, Abraham said, but Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things, likewise God and evil things, but now he comes to the eternal. The Lamb's Supper will take place next week. And God the Father will give the church the bride of Christ. There will never be an event that can compare to the Lamb's Supper. No coronation of any monarch, no sporting event, no other ceremony, nothing that the world has ever seen will compare when Christ's bride, the church, is revealed to you. No comparison to the beauty and the grandeur and the magnificence of that event. And you will be there. What a wonderful news to the person who trusts Christ and faith. Well, let me finish this up. So what happens after that? After the Lamb's Supper and after the after the Lamb's Supper and after when Jesus gets mad, well, we come back again. So you say, where is that? Revelation 19. This comes from Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness and judgment he shall be judged. This is Jesus. This is not the little baby that's on the earth. His eyes are like the sun, and the fire of his head is as one flame. He has a name written. 